Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I'm your host, Amagrich, and with me today is uh, Giel Kirkels. Uh, he is the captain of uh, innovation and knowledge development at the KNVB. Welcome, Giel. It's a pleasure. Thank you. No problem at all. Um, could you tell a little bit about your background and also uh, how you got to work at the KNVB? Yes, thank you. Well, um, I have a background in business administration um, and after working a couple of years at a, in a consulting company, I started looking for an organization that was really close to my passion. I've been playing football since I was five years old. Um, I have, have attended many matches, so football was ob- obviously one of the things that really interested me. Um, I found a job opening at the KMVB for a strategy advisor, and uh, luckily they, they hired me. Mm, cool. And how, uh, of course, it spoke to you about uh, because of the football and stuff like that, but what spoke to you about the position uh, at the time? Um, it, it was a position that uh, concerned two things. It was the strategy of Dutch football, mainly the professional side of it. Um, uh, so, so that was one. And the other one was uh, consulting and advising professional football clubs. Mm. Uh, so uh, it's, it's funny because we have a broad range of clubs from, from Ajax earning hundreds of millions of euros with, with hundreds of employees until uh, uh, Excelsior uh, Rotterdam or, or other clubs that, that ones, operate yeah. with, a, with, with a small team. Um, and our job and, and my job in the beginning was to, to help them develop and professionalize. Mm. Uh, so, uh, so I think that's a good thing. Mm, very cool. Um, could you tell the listeners about what the KMVB is? Because many won't maybe know the kind of, uh, the kind of name, but uh, will know what it stands for uh, when, you, <laughs> when you talk about it, I think. Yeah, definitely. So the KMVB is the Royal Netherlands Football Association. Um, we are the governing body of football in the Netherlands, uh, 1.2 million members uh, we have at the moment. So uh, every week we organize about 30,000 matches mm. for 60,000 teams that, uh, that are around. So that's probably the biggest portion of, uh, of what we do. Uh, we organize the professional football league, so the, the Eredivisie, the Dutch Premier League, the second league, uh, the National Cup. Um, uh, and we have tons of national teams. So what n- not all people know is that we have over 25 national teams. Uh, so uh, obviously the, the men's uh, playing the European Championship this summer uh, and the women's team playing at the Olympics in, uh, in Tokyo. Uh, but we also have our under-21s, under-19, under-17, uh, indoor football, so, so futsal, uh, many others. So mm. that comprises... Um, uh, the whole activities of the of the federation. So we're about uh, 500 people uh, working cool. on on making uh, uh, people having as much as fun as possible uh, on football every day. Yeah. So in your in your current role, because you're the captain of knowledge uh, knowledge development and innovation, or innovation knowledge development, uh, what what uh, what does that entail? So what does that uh, what do you do on a daily basis? Yeah, it's actually, it's funny to go back a couple of years because sure. in, um, in 2012, I've been working at the, at the KMVB since 2007. Uh, 2012, I, I got the role as project leader of the redevelopment of our uh, sports center. Um, so we have been in, in Zeist for uh, quite a while, a beautiful location in the, in, in the forest um, where our offices are, but we have a couple of pitches, a couple of football fields. Uh, we had a hotel at the time. Uh, sports medical center but the funny thing was that actually our national teams were not using these facilities anymore mm. um, we saw over the years that that many players are playing at 
top teams and top clubs across Europe, uh, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Manchester City, you can name them. Mm. Uh, but the facilities that we had at the, at the Federation were not up to standard. So uh, our old president, uh, Michael van Praar, he launched a program to, to revamp our, uh, our, our sports center. Um, and, and I got to lead this. And the first thing we actually did when we, uh, when we developed this was that we took a look at how others did this. So we went to a couple of the top clubs and federations. Uh, so we got a pretty good idea of uh, what we should have in terms of um, training facilities, pitches, dressing rooms, uh, etc. Um, but one of the things that, that impressed me most was that we visited the high-tech campus in, in Eindhoven and we talked to some people of Philips um, and, and of the high-tech campus itself that, that um, uh, introduced this concept um, of going there as a company and inviting stakeholders, suppliers, university to work on the same physical space, uh, organizing a, a program over this to, um, uh, to exchange knowledge uh, in order to innovate more. And this, uh, not in the first years, but after some time, had a, had a great impact in terms of their innovation rate, um, which they measured at, at the number of uh, patents that was uh, being registered per employee. Uh, and that made us have a discussion internally. Um, what if we can do this within football um, and invite others to think with us uh, to create an open network and to uh, to develop faster as football in the Netherlands which we believe we we have to do something else than other countries because we're relatively small yeah we have yeah. a we have a big ambition um, to be top eight of the world um, uh, but as a, as a relatively small country you have to do something else yeah. uh, something different to, to do this so this this was actually the starting point so we created the KVB campus with uh, top training facilities, with a new medical center, with an innovation center. Um, and this is kind of how my role um, evolved into my current role as a knowledge development and, and, and innovation uh, manager. Uh, so innovation got to be an increasingly bigger part of the strategy of the KVB. So in a new 2018-2022 strategy, it's one of the five key topics. Mm. Um, so uh, so we, uh, we do a lot of activities in this to develop new products, new services for our members and for fans yeah. uh, to enjoy football more. Yeah, interesting, because uh, what, what, what's cool about it is, uh, as you said, uh, the Netherlands is, also, is, is a really small country uh, just based on uh, how big it is, but also just how many people live in it and stuff like that. But you you always see that um, the the performance of of the Dutch team or whatever is is so good, right? And that's uh, I think uh, that's it's key to have these kind of training facilities. I we we talked about this a little bit before we started, but uh, you see it with the, with Feyenoord as well, which have new facilities as well, and you see that. That does that does make a difference in like uh, can you retain the players you want to have and stuff like that right but for the Dutch national team it's a little bit different but uh, for for these kind of clubs it's it's really important to have these facilities otherwise the big talents won't sign with you or definitely, or definitely. Yeah. so. Um, one of the things uh, I wanted to wanted to talk about, which is also something that you've been uh, involved in, is the VAR. I mean, the VAR is uh, is a system that's been uh, around for a while now. Uh, what what are some of the kind of developments that uh, that are going on in in that space? Because uh, 
pretty much uh, to you can explain better than me what the VAR is but uh, what what do you, what do you see like um, what do you see kind of in development in terms of the of the VAR as well in technological terms mostly yeah definitely no it's um, it's it's a pretty young development still so we've been using VAR technology now in the Netherlands for about one and a half years um, in other countries it was introduced one year earlier but uh, actually we've been one of the or maybe the uh, pushing country uh, behind uh, developing the VAR technology. So yeah. it has taken quite some years to to get there. So our first and foremost um, focus is to uh, to increase the quality of decisions uh, and 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 also to communicate better to the fans in the stadiums uh, what is happening because sometimes you're sitting in the stands and the referee is um, pointing at his something. ear that, yeah. that, that, that he's listening to somebody, but uh, uh, in, in the stadium, you don't have a clue what's um, uh, what's being looked at. So, mm. so these are our, our two first focus points. Um, but we are, since, uh, since uh, about a month, we are uh, part of a FIFA innovation uh, technology working group. Um, uh, together with uh, the Bundesliga, Premier League, the Major League Soccer, other other uh, football organizers around the world. And um, we have a couple of goals. So one of them is to increase uh, decision quality. And one main point of, uh, of focus is uh, offside decision. So if you watch football every weekend, you see how difficult it is to really say, is somebody offside, yes or no? Yep. Uh, new technology that's being introduced uh, has been introduced in the last year is is the virtual offside lines. Uh, so you see this, uh, and it was quite some discussion in the Premier League about this. About yeah, because how, of the small how they have been used. Yeah, yeah exactly. In the small margins. Yeah. So so there's uh, there's a wish to um, make this even more objective, uh, and and one of the goals uh, uh, or one of the the solutions could be. Uh, automatic or what we call semi-automatic offside detection. Mm -hmm. uh, so this would be a system uh, with cameras installed around the stadium that can make digital images of all the players and the ball. So it collects real time, um, uh, I don't know how many times per second, the exact location of all the players uh, and the ball. Uh, which then generates uh, uh, live coordinates, which can be used to really determine if um, uh, if a player is offside, yes or no, in an objective manner, uh, always at the same at the same way. Mm. So this um, uh, it's not going to be a totally automated referee, not a computer uh, blowing the whistle, no. uh, but it it's um, uh, it's seen as an extra assistant to the VAR and to the referees to uh, to make better decisions. Yeah, it's a tool, right? I mean, it, as it is right now, it's also a tool, even if it's like semi-automatic or whatever it is, right? Uh, where um, you you kind of... Um, uh, you you kind of need to see it's hard to 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 uh, to explain this but the offside kind of the what is offside and what isn't offside is uh, is pretty clear but it's hard to interpret right it's hard to interpret for a computer for example to know what is offside and what isn't because if someone is coming from out offside and they're they're not 
actively participating in the game it's not offside exactly <laughs> that that's that's the the, the hard question of there's course there's a uh, it, it's a many rules of the game in football there's yeah. still a subjective uh, interpretation yeah. um, in that and i think that's also a good thing so power should be with the referees but sure. uh, technology can definitely help to to make decisions uh, yeah. better yeah the the biggest uh, the biggest one is of course handball as well within uh, within an opponent's kind of uh, the 16 meter area uh, you see you see that the you see that that that's always hard to interpret and also what ha- what happens is the for example the cameras cannot pick it up right just because of the amount of frames that a camera has uh, or the cameras that we use at the moment it's it's hard to see if in some cases it's hard to see if there is contact with a hand or whatever right exactly and yeah. that's that's the thing so what what um uh, how does it go? Because when you think about this kind of systems, it, it sounds like it's really expensive. <laughs> how, That's true. That's how, true. How, how does that work for like smaller leagues and stuff like that? Because that I can imagine that's harder for, uh, as you said, the second division or whatever uh, to to implement these kind of systems. Yeah, yeah, that's it's very much true. So, so for example, this semi-automatic uh, offside detection is something that we're aiming to launch or at least fifa is aiming to launch uh, in in the qatar uh, world cup mm-hmm. um but it's the question if it will be affordable at least in the first years for uh, for a country like the netherlands mm. um so we are looking at new developments but also looking at okay what's uh, what's reasonable for us to to invest in uh, but one of the things as well, and, and this is also a main goal for FIFA and for this working group, is to make VAR technology affordable for lower leagues. So, for example, in our second league, um, uh, we don't have VAR technology, um, but we could maybe have in the future. But it's very unrealistic that we will be able to afford this in the in the current setup that's being used yeah. in the in, in our Premier League as well. Because um, who's uh, who's paying for the systems? Uh, just uh, not to interrupt you, but who's kind of paying for these kind of systems at the moment? Yeah, it's the King of UB yeah. uh, okay. uh, paying for the systems. Sure. And we are associations, so it's ultimately also the money of the clubs. Yeah. Uh, so, but but this is how it is invested. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, as I said, one of the goals to make it more affordable. Uh, but the question is. Uh, actually, when is it good enough? So the the ultimate low budget version, so to say, is to uh, to give the fourth official along the line a, a tablet, being able to review situations um, uh, during the match. Mm. Uh, but first of all, it's the question if if that's a really good position to be at, and uh, uh, and and are you in the the capability of really reviewing stuff uh, in in the right way? Um, and uh, it's also a matter of sometimes how many cameras are available mm-hmm. at a match. So um, in in the Eredivisie we have between we have six cameras with all with all matches minimum. Mm. In some matches in the second league there is only one camera available. Yeah. Uh, well, you see in in field hockey with some uh, with some uh, matches there there's also a very limited amount of cameras available. Um, you can see some things uh, on these cameras, uh, but if you don't have the opportunity, for example, to look at it from another angle yep. or from the other side uh, or with offside, you need the right camera angles to really see who is in front of the other. Yep. Um, well, that's a limiting factor as well. So mm. it's 
So it's uh, many factors that, that play a role. Uh, but what we're trying to do is uh, let's see how we can make it more affordable and actually just test and experiment uh, what works yeah. and listen very well to the referees, um, to the teams, uh, to the football specialists about what, uh, what can be done and what is acceptable as a solution. So yeah. what we can do is, as an innovation group is to identify new technologies, uh, ways that, uh, new ways that can be used. For example, one of the things is that at the moment you need an a, a extra replay operator for the referees to, to show the right images to them in the VAR center. Uh, what if there would be a system where the referees can select the camera angles themselves, can rewind, can replay, and it would be kind of like a very... Uh, very uh, easy app to use uh, that would save costs on on having to use the operator. So yeah. this is one of the solutions that we're looking at. But we just started really with the with the process. But I'm sure we'll come up with some ideas of of, of how to uh, introduce uh, VAR in, yeah. in other leagues as well. Yeah, because uh, uh, currently when you have the VAR, for example, in I know in the Netherlands you have like three people sitting in a room uh, looking at stuff. So you have like the the VAR itself, you have the assistant VAR and you have that operator, as you said. Yeah, that uh, I understand why it's like that because you want to be completely sure. And if the VAR is looking at something, you want to have the assistant looking at something else or maybe how the play is evolving or whatever. Uh, so the, the, I understand that, but it would be good if you get, get like other stuff as well. So how do you... Uh, how do you experiment with these things? Because I think it's interesting to know, like, how do you kind of try and see if uh, things are working or not working? How, how do you do that? Yeah. So what we looked at, it, it's uh, maybe good to name the results of our first season sure. in, in VAR. So what we see is still a lot of criticism on, on VAR. Um, and this is nothing new to, uh, to a referee, of course. Yeah. But, uh, uh, and, and, and it's also... Um, it's change. Uh, ju yeah. <laughs> justice yeah. To, yeah. to sometimes criticize yeah. it because still situations are being missed. But if you look at the, the broad decision making, the VAR can intervene at four situations. So it's goals, penalty kicks, red cards, and... Uh, for example, when the, the referee shows the wrong person a yellow card. Mm -hmm. So these are the four things they can, they can intervene in. Um, if we look at the last season in, the, in, the, in our Premier League, then um, without VAR technology, uh, the referees would have made just over about 100 uh, uh, mistakes in the whole season. Is that one referee or how does that go? No, that's that's for 306 matches. So okay, for all sure. the, the for regular all the competition uh, matches. Okay. So it's a little over 100 uh, if we wouldn't have had VAR. Mm -hmm. After VAR, uh, this is reduced to uh, roughly 25% of this. So because of using the technology, we're able to cut 75% of the... Uh, important mistakes that are uh, being made which uh, is great yeah. which is a great development yeah. uh, i think and also if we look at these light versions it's always a question of uh, how much can we really make the game better because our goal is to make the game more fair and i think the numbers really show that we that we can and still this 25% uh, means about about 25 uh, mistakes in the season we of course would love to to see this go down yeah, even sure. more um uh, but uh, for example if if with 
one or two cameras instead of six uh, and a different replay uh, uh, system, we would uh, be able to cut 50% of the of the mistakes. It's not as good as in the Eredivisie, but is this acceptable? Do mm. we do we want this? And this is the way how we would like to test it. So just test out different systems, collect data about what it actually does, yeah. what how many situations can it really capture and, and, and what can it still not do? Yeah. Um, and then just open the, dis- uh, the discussion um, and then it's up for the uh, uh, for the football world to decide. Yeah, so the but the tests that you do are usually with like matches that are like are they like practice mas- matches or how does it go? You could do this um, um, uh, kind of offline, so with real matches as well. Sure. So this in the development phase, initial development phase of VAR, this is how it was done in the beginning as well. So just. Uh, let a, a, um, a, a VAR uh, look at the match. Uh, let's count when he would have intervened or not. Mm-hmm. And if you do this enough matches, uh, then then you can of course uh, collect some data on this. Mm. So uh, it can be done both in in real matches, but also in practice matches. So we we had a big testing event last week um, uh, together with FIFA at our KVB campus, where we had over. 70 people from from over 40 different companies uh, presenting their cool. technology and and really testing it real life on the pitch as well uh, so we had some uh, some practice matches with amateur teams uh, that, uh, that that play the game uh, and we could really experience how the different systems were operating so a system without an operator uh, we had a pitch side system so the var not sitting in a separate room but actually standing on the pitch uh, next to the fourth official to review um, review incidents. Uh, we had another uh, setup where um, the VAR would be in the broadcast truck, so with the media people, where all hardware and infrastructure is available anyhow. Yeah. Uh, so that's also a, a cost-cutting factor. So we're, we're, uh, we're really looking at different options. Yeah. And you see just experience it seeing it feeling it and listening to the referee afterwards what's working best is the is the best way to find out yeah i think that's the i see that as well but that's more in the kind of software space as well where you when you try to to do something to experiment something it's usually best to do it with like real life situations right which how people are going to use it and stuff like that and see what the kind of users in this case the users are pretty much the the referees uh, how they are experiencing it, right? How yeah. they how they see this this evolving and see, and also giving you pointers like, okay, uh, this didn't really work, but maybe if we do this in this way, it would work better, right? Definitely, uh, I, I think yeah. that's the way to do it. Exactly. Um, so, what what I also wanted to talk about because that's also something that you've been uh, be, been involved in as well is like the the rules of the game because the rules uh, have been uh, pretty much the same for a long time. Uh, there are some small things that have changed, of course, over the years. Uh, but uh, you, I know that you are working on like a program to kind of test out new new rules and stuff like that. Could you tell a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So it's always a kind of tricky subject sometimes in in international football. So sure. football is the biggest sport, you know. There's lots of money being made, and this is still increasing on on the media rights. So. Why change something that's good? But um, uh, I mean, just talk from my my own perspective. I'm a big football fan. I'll follow probably the game for the rest of my life.
life. But it's not so much about what you and I think about the game of football, but it's about what future generations uh, like. Mm -hmm. And um, we see some developments in the sports world with uh, look at the Olympic agenda now for the Olympics in, in the summer. You know, uh, three versus three basketball have been has been introduced. Uh, skateboarding, breakdancing, all new kinds of sports yeah. are being introduced because they appeal more to uh, to young people. Um, and so you see, they have so many choices to to choose from. And uh, uh, of course, video gaming is is maybe a big I wouldn't call it enemy, but but a big competitor for for kids spending their time on something. And, a lot of them uh, are watching it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so we think as football also, we have to think about the future. And it's not that it's broken right now or that we need to change things tomorrow. But uh, I think a good example is baseball. Also in America, it, was, it used to be the biggest sport. Um, but I don't know if you've watched or, or have been to some, nope. <laughs> some, some, some games. I've seen some. It's my personal opinion. It's long and, and boring. And... Yeah. Uh, uh, you also see this in um, uh, in the attendance numbers, in the, the numbers of, of players practicing it in the United States, mm. um, that this sport has not evolved in the right way and is uh, is really losing audience. Yeah. Uh, and we're not there yet as football, but uh, maybe in 20 years uh, we could be. So it's the question if two times 45 minutes, 11 against 11, and, and the goal size and, and the pitch size that we're playing right now will be the, the right solution to keep uh, uh, people interested in the future. Mm. And this is the goal of, of the KNVB and, and UEFA and FIFA, of, of, of all fi uh, football parties, is to um, have as many people uh, in the world uh, enjoy uh, football. Uh, so make it as, as much fun as possible. So this is, uh, this is why we look into this subject um, and then at the moment, we're actually looking at five uh, possible uh, rule changes, um, which uh, we also discovered by really talking to a lot of young people, but also to referees, players, coaches, uh, etc. And, and the five are um, uh, kicking in uh, instead of uh, throwing in the ball, which should be a more natural, uh, natural thing. Yeah. Um, uh, the self. Still pass. weird that you ha ha you can't use your hands, but you can throw in the ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's still yeah. a bit weird. Yeah. yeah. We actually should look look up how how that originated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I really uh, don't understand how no. that how that came about. But yeah. So uh, so 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 that's the first one. This yeah. uh, the second one is the self pass. So with a free kick or corner kick, not having to play the ball to somebody else, but just uh, dribble off. Mm -hmm. um, then we have uh, unlimited substitutions. Uh, so maybe not limiting, uh, limiting it to two or three people uh, per match. Um, we have uh, time penalties. So when you receive a yellow card, uh, maybe send, being sent off for, for five minutes or, or something the like, uh, and net playing time. So instead of playing the two times 45 minutes, an extra time, maybe limiting it to I don't know, two times 25 minutes or two times 30 minutes and stopping the clock whenever the ball is out of play. Yeah, because the clock doesn't stop at the moment, right? It's the, just, the it clock goes doesn't so, stop. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, one of the things we've done some research also on what people like and don't like about football and the biggest annoyance in football is uh, time wasting mm. so, uh, so unless your team's in front <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah maybe that could be but in in general people like to see attack uh, attacking yeah, football sure. they like to see the game move fast as many shots on goal and chances being created as possible yeah uh, and especially um, uh, in the end of a game when it's still 
really exciting or both teams could actually uh, could actually win or something like that and one team trying to destroy the game is um, is something that's really not being appreciated by the football fans no, no. Uh, and we haven't really found the right solution yet to to deal with this so this is one thing that we might uh, might look at yeah there's nothing worse than uh, seeing a player at the like corner flag standing there and trying to shield off the ball <laughs> i don't think it's really fun for anybody no no it's not fun for anybody but also uh, th- there are some things that already changed, right? I mean, for example, when uh, someone uh, is being substituted off or whatever, they need to like s- sub off at the like nearest exit, if you can call it like that. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, th- yeah. Those are kind of things that are already helping. Yeah. Uh, where uh, sometimes you even saw like someone going, they're going like on the other side of the pitch on purpose just to have more time to walk over to the sideline, right? Exactly. Uh, that's yeah. a, that's it's all a, to make the, the game faster and, yeah. and more attractive. Yeah. yeah. Because you you already tested this as well, I think, with these kind of new rules and these kind of changes. With uh, There was a kind of a match of the future, right? Uh, yeah, we had a match of the future. Yeah. And, and also we tested some rules in our uh, Future Rules Football League that we organized last year. Uh, so this gives really some promising insights. So yeah. For example, the self-pass um, uh, really has a great influence on, on several sides because it gives the attacking team more opportunities to, to resume the game uh, and to surprise their opponents. But another side effect is that, um, and that's another big annoyance by, by football fans, is uh, uh, players complaining to the referee. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and, and what you see is that if the, 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 uh, the player can just dribble in the ball, um, really as a defender uh, you don't have time to complain anymore mm. so you have to be focused on the ball otherwise you'll be surprised and your opponent just runs off so yeah. this is another thing that um, uh, that really helps uh, so what we did is we tested this in in the match of the future in our future rules football league and we shows uh, it shows some results that it will create more uh, chances more shots on goal which is something that uh, that football fans generally uh, like um but we need to collect more data, more information about uh, what are the long-term effects. So if you would uh, test this in a, in, a, in a more real competitive environment, um, what are the results actually? Yeah. Uh, but, but the funny thing is that the self-pass, the substitutions, um, kicking in the ball, uh, these are all things that are already, already being done in youth football in the Netherlands. So... Uh, a lot of kids grow up uh, with these rules, uh, finding it the, the most normal thing in the world. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a good way to to evolve uh, uh, to evolve this further and to to look at it uh, what it does. Yeah, it's up until I think twelve years old or something like that, yeah. right? Uh, where and then it's weird for these for these young people growing up where they're like, okay, I'm now twelve years old, uh, we have just a few substitutions now and stuff like that right where it really really changes the changes the thing what i was wondering about about the self pass so uh, what happens uh, normally now or it happens sometimes is uh, when uh, there is a free kick or whatever sometimes the like referee just lets it go on and someone can get the free kick out very quickly but sometimes someone gets a yellow card and then they need to wait right how, how does that work with the self-pass then? How, how does that uh... i mean this uh, this is kind of the discussion we would need to have with the referees with the players and coaches yeah. because uh, we honestly don't have everything worked out yet so yeah. uh, these are the things that we propose are things that 
come off all these brainstorming sessions and a lot of thinking. So we're Makes convinced sense. these five things might be uh, good for football in the future. Uh, yeah. But these are exactly the discussions that we will need to have. Yeah. And when we try just try out things, they'll pop up. And it will be an iterative process to yeah. really uh, change things and come to the right solution. Yeah, it makes sense because th- th- these are kind of things that already pop up in my mind. But I can imagine when you're actually playing the game and actually uh, going into these these kind of situations, you're like, okay, but how do we how do we work with this, right? It's exactly. it's it's, yeah. uh, it's the same with all the other stuff that you mentioned as well. Where I'm like, yeah, mm, that that makes sense, but uh, you need to. You need to have the, all these kind of edge cases, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all yeah. these edge cases that we currently have in the current rules are kind of worked out already, right? Where it's been been around for so long, where everybody's like, okay, we know what to do in these kind of situations, right? Yeah, very um, true. And that's that's that's, uh, but it's exciting. I mean, uh, for me, uh, it's interesting as a as someone that watches the game as well um, to to kind of see these kind of things where. I'm I'm all up for change, right? And a lot of people aren't, and that's that's kind of the 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 thing that you you just need to keep on pushing, right? And seeing like, okay, this yeah, exactly. I'm it's it's pushing on the one side, so we're proposing things that could be better, sure. but we're not saying our definite goal is to introduce this in 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 professional football within three or five yeah. or ten years. Yeah. So really, it's about. Uh, also a bit about innovation culture mm-hmm. that we are getting more used to trying out new ideas collecting data and uh, uh, really deciding on objective analysis mm-hmm. what is best for f- for the future of football yeah. uh, and if in the end experiments shows that uh, that one rule of the game is not going to make it really better then we'll drop it mm-hmm. so this is uh, I, I think it's a lot about the way we try to uh, to uh, develop sports in general yeah and this is what is funny though is that you are seeing a big trend in this um, uh, across the whole football world so it's not just the KNVB doing this but you see um, big clubs like uh, FC Barcelona or Manchester City or the Bundesliga or Premier League uh, really investing in all kinds of innovation projects with a very broad scope, um, which is interesting to team up with and to to make football uh, develop faster as a as a whole industry. Yeah, yeah. Because I was wondering about that because all these kind of experiments that you are doing are uh, in some cases really high tech, right? In some cases are really have like a big technological part, and I can imagine that the KVB doesn't always have these people in the house, right? How how does that work? So do you like search for like real partners in these kind of things? How does that uh, how does that work? Yeah, this is actually part of our open innovation strategy. So um, uh, and this is something you see see more widely across football happening in the last three four years. Although this has been in place in other industries already for. A, much longer time, but we were very used to think of all the right solutions ourselves. So mainly the the kind of old-fashioned, uh, closed <laughs> innovation strategy with having an own R&D department that, that that's thinking about new things. Yeah. And what we really did also because of our KMVB campus is that we opened our doors for uh, other companies, universities, people with good ideas to, to join us, to also physically come work at the KMVB campus. We have a nice open working space in our innovation center there. Um, uh, so we come in contact more and more with uh, these innovative thinkers and, and are able to discuss these kind of things. Mm. And uh, VAR is again, is a, is a good example. I mean, the idea came from 
uh, came from KMVB and, and Gijs de Jong, our general secretary in, in, in particular, um, testing this with referees, but also with uh, Hawkeye, the operator that was um, uh, operating the, the, the uh, uh, ball detection systems in tennis already mm. uh, and providing the technology and the manpower and infrastructure to For be able to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to develop this. Yeah. Uh, so goal line technology, but also VAR technology. Yeah. So you often need a combination of, of different companies and, and people who are really going to experiment and develop something. Yeah. So this is what we try to do. So we have our, uh, our innovation network with over 30 companies that we're working together with, which ranges from, from VAR to, to developing a new standard in artificial pitches, uh, to new ways of uh, uh, talent uh, identification, um, uh, using player data, etc. You can name it. So, yeah. uh, so this network is growing and, and it's creating more and more opportunities. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, if you uh, y y some some companies already maybe have the kind of solution, or it needs to be adapted a little bit to the the specific situation. So, why would you invest like in tons of money into building something that's practically the same right and that's uh, that's yeah, definitely yeah. um you you mentioned when we talked uh, one time uh, before uh, that you also because you have a lot of amateur matches and a lot of amateur competitions and stuff like that uh that you're also looking into uh kind of making these kind of schedules and these matchmaking things uh, a lot uh, um, a lot more technology based a lot more database could you tell a little bit about that yeah, so this is one, we do this project with one of our innovation partners called uh, SciSports, uh, which is a company very active for some years already in, um, uh, in player scouting based on data. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things we see in football, especially in youth football, is the inequality uh, in, in some leagues. So you have leagues where the champion really wins all matches uh, with, with big numbers, uh, some then obviously losing most of their matches, or we see teams uh, winning or losing 10-0 or 14-0. And, and, and although this might sound good, you know, like a, <laughs> a, a little girl <laughs> or, or son coming home to his dad or grandpa or, or saying, yeah, we won 14-0 and I scored seven times in the end. Um, this is not really really fun. So uh, it's not for the good, good for the development as well. Right? It's not for the good for the development and, yeah. and and fun of the game. So in the long term, we want to have more competitively balanced uh, competitions. But there's there was no way for us to really know how good a team is. Mm. Um, so what we did as an experiment last summer is that we composed a, a player quality index uh, so based on on actually the data um, of the last couple of years we know uh, if a player was attending a match uh, if they lost um, uh, one or played a draw and against whom they played so for example take take myself i'm playing uh, futsal um, they would know if that my team for example is losing more when i'm there and winning <laughs> winning more when i'm when i'm not there um, then yeah. they know something about my quality uh, compared to the others uh, in my team uh, and also uh, the, the teams that we're playing against so after every match you play, these scores are uh, scores are adapted, and we don't use these individual scores in any way to to really show who is good and who is bad. But no. we use them to to calculate some kind of team strength, uh, and we use these numbers uh, to uh, compose new competitions uh, for about a thousand teams uh, last summer. Mm. 
uh, to experiment with. So, um, uh, and and we we analyzed the results now in in the, in the Christmas break, and they were really promising. Uh, so what we saw with the with the teams that we um, that we did this with that, for example, the gold difference in the matches um, uh, decreased by by about ten percent. Mm. Um, and we also saw that, for example, the number of games where the gold difference was bigger than 10 uh, decreased by, by a third. And the gold difference is over, over seven goals uh, decreased by 20%. So these are quite big, um, uh, quite big changes to the game. And another one was, uh, for example, the, the teams that became champions uh, with winning all the games in their, uh, in their league uh, decreased by more than half. So these are all developments uh, that uh, that make it uh, more equal and yeah. make it more fun. And as you say, for talent development, it's good that you play matches under the right resistance against teams that are about the same strength. Yeah. That really uh, gets the most uh, out of you in terms of performance. Yeah. Um, uh, so this is a good development. And this was just the first experiment, although you could argue data quality or the, the amount of data it's uh, being based on is still limited, uh, but it already showed these kind of results. So yeah. that's looking very, very promising for the future. So yeah. we extending this, uh, this program at the yeah, moment. Yeah, so you need to do, you want to do more matches, right? You want to do them based on more matches. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, it's, it's funny that it's kind of all kind of interconnected, right? Where you're looking at like, okay, maybe a lot of people will say, yeah, like these amateur teams, who cares, you know? But on the other hand, these amateur teams are basically the, the, the kind of breeding grounds for all these kind of talents that you see maybe uh, later on as, as professional footballers or whatever, right? Yeah. And that's, uh, that's uh, in, what's, what's cool about that is that uh, when you look at that, you see that uh, these, these talents, when they have the right resistance, when they have these kind of things, they will get, push it further and you'll ha get better professional football players in the end, right? And that's 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 so cool about this this kind of experiment to me. I yeah. think. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's really a very uh, good spin-off if uh, if we can do that. But the main reason to start it at first is to make it more fun. Yeah. You know, to uh, to to really make it fun to play football because I also believe that's the main uh, thing that determines how many people will play and and so success in the end, yeah. even for a national team. Yeah. I have I have two more questions before we wrap up. Uh, so. Uh, there, we talked a lot about these kind of future things and uh, and uh, developments that, that you are doing, and uh, I, I think it's pretty awesome to see. Uh, but where do you kind of see? Um, where do you see football moving as a sport, like towards the future? What, what do you think that uh, that will happen? Yeah, that's it's a hard mean, question. I, I, yeah, <laughs> no, it's, I mean it's a broad question. We obviously yeah. we discussed um, we discussed use of of technology and VAR and and. Um, uh, and also these, these equality index and, and stuff like this. What I see as a main development or what I also personally hope it will, will go towards is creating more r uh, relevant uh, data and information that uh, can make the sport more fun. So probably the biggest sport in the world is just uh, running, you know, and uh, uh, because you don't need really anything to do it. Uh, you can do it whenever you want. Uh, but one of the fun things for me personally, I do I do some running and, and ice skating as well, is the time I spend afterwards analyzing my performance on, on, on Strava. Mm. You know, so data collection and presenting this to the to the guy or girl who's, who's, who's doing the sport in an interesting way will really help 
people to uh, to want to improve, to to have more fun, to share what they're actually doing. And uh, we don't have this yet in football. So at the highest levels, a lot of data they is being do, collected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but on, a, on an amateur level, um, it's very limited. And it's also one of the things is you can't really do that much with GPS data because it's maybe too inaccurate for uh, for football. Or in some cases, I mean, you're not allowed to wear a watch or anything of, yeah, of, of the yeah. kind um, because of safety reasons. Uh, but if we can come up with some wearables, and I know they're out there already, that can collect interesting and, and relevant data, um, the future will be to disclose this in a in a good way to the uh, to to football players mm. uh, and i think this will give great extra dimensions to the third half of, <laughs> of any amateur team yeah to really sure. see what you did uh, how much you ran how fast you ran uh, but also uh, how many passes did you did you send how many were good how many were not how many tackles you made yeah. whatever combining this with uh, with nice videos of what you actually did, uh, which is, of course, great to share on Instagram or, <laughs> or, mm. or wherever, uh, but also to really get better of it. So I think this is something that will develop in the, in the next years. Um, uh, but the question is uh, how? So we're also looking into this. Yeah, I, I can imagine because uh, when I when I think back when I played, uh, it it would have been cool like to see like uh, to to have the the high as you said the highest level has these kind of sensors already and uh, they uh, they attach it to their bodies and stuff like that where uh, they are thing but it's it's interesting that football has been a game for so long where it's always based on feeling right i feel like i played good like yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely it's yeah. it's funny to it's funny to see that uh, especially when you watch matches as well you're like I feel this player played good. Like, how do you know, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, yeah. Until you like dive deeper and, and what is it based on, right? Is it based on how many goals they scored? Yeah, I I see some players that don't actively are not actively involved in the game, but they scored scored two goals, and you're like, yeah, okay, pretty good match, right? Exactly, <laughs> That's exactly. The yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, it could so, be a great help. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so the last question uh, I always uh, ask at the end. So what are you most proud of since you started at the KNVB? Well, I think the if you look at uh, the KNVB campus, kind of as the example of how we evolved as a as a football organization, but also as the whole football world, because we have many clubs involved in in projects as well, and and are cooperating with well, all kinds of different uh, parties. Uh, I'm I'm really proud that we opened up and that we create a place uh, for everybody to join and 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 come think about the future of football and it makes more and more people listen to uh what others think um and i think uh means a easy thing this synergy you know i think i think we we can do more when we cooperate with the right people and experts um and i think it's good for for the development of football that we uh, due to our uh, more open as an industry. So I'm very confident this will really deliver uh, nice new developments uh, to make football more fun, uh, more better, and hopefully uh, the, the Dutch national team will uh, be world champions uh, once. That's, Let's our, <laughs> that's our big goal. Yeah. Uh, so if we can help a little bit with that, that would be uh, would be really great. Very cool, very cool. Uh, is there somewhere on the, on the internet where people can read all about these kind of things? Yeah, definitely. So on uh, kvb.nl slash innovation, innovatie mm-hmm. uh, in, 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 in Dutch, Dutch yeah. you can uh, you can find this also on kvb.com, our international website. There is 
uh, there's some information on our innovation center. So definitely. Very cool. Very cool. Thanks a lot, Giel. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much, Amar. And for the listeners, you can find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on bitsvsbytes.com and on all uh, major podcasting platforms. Uh, and of course, you can also sign up for the newsletter where you get uh, five things about business, technology, and leadership. It's all, uh, it, you can find that on bitsvsbytes.com slash newsletter. I would like to thank you for listening and until next time.